Hello and welcome to The Stew with JT Brew on the Dynasty Pros Football Channel. I'm your host, Justin Taylor. Today in The Stew, we are discussing the Tennessee Titans, their draft, fantasy sleepers, bus, upcoming schedule, what we think 2023 is going to look like. I've got Sam Waldorf here from Dynasty Pros Football to help me out. Uh, do me a favor, hit that thumbs up, like, subscribe button. Your The Stew begins now. Uh, you up on trades and why you move? You ain't designed to lose. Find you jumping over seemingly nothing. Racking up points makes the game a little more fun to watch. Can drop release. We started with the mock draft and now we making a mockery of the leaderboard. Quite obviously not a scrub to start an institute. Make evaluations like a commissioner do. It's to the point your wife make you watch in a different room. Update your roster and pick and choose when you get some news. Not much that we enjoy more than sifting through sifting through new statistics to make it to our end zones through different groups. Universities, institutes, down to homies who kick in groups. I introduce once again thanks for joining us on the stew with jt brew i'm your host uh, jt got sam thanks for joining me from dynasty pros uh it's been a while since i had you on the pod so thanks for joining me to talk everything tennessee titans of course man happy to be back took a little hiatus but uh the season starts now for everyone. It's it's time to get going, so I'm stoked. Yeah, it's it's right around the corner. I just think about it today. I was like, man, it's going to be here before we even know it. It's uh, camps are going to be going. We're going to be looking at everything there. So what we're taking to do, uh, we're diving through all the NFL teams, kind of looking at their draft sleepers, guys we like for the season, and kind of where we think uh, – these teams will finish. Give me a quick breakdown. You know, I'd like to have people that either cover the team or are fans of the team kind of give me an idea like how you be kind, uh, kind of became a, a Titans fan and started rooting for them because you're not from Tennessee and you're not from Houston. So kind of give me the background on that. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, so as a kid who grew up in Montana, there are no teams, right? So you got to pick one at a young age and and stick with them. At least that's always how I've thought about it is pick one and stick with it. And when I was a, a little kid, probably four five or six, Eddie George was my favorite player. And so uh, ever since then, I've been a Titans fan. And, um, you know, I think Eddie George mixed with some early success when I was watching, you know, the, the almost touchdown Kevin Dyson that almost had him. Oh yeah. Still stings. Um, but yeah, I mean, big, Big Eddie George fan, big Air McNair fan, Derek Mason, Frank Wycheck, all those guys kind of going back to uh, what was my childhood for the team and uh, been following them ever since. You know, we've had some rough years, but uh, I love Rabel as a coach, so I've been a lot happier since he took over the reins for sure. Yeah, that's one of those things you got to be happy about as a Titans fan. At least you feel like you got a coach. Like, you know, sometimes you th I think these teams, you're looking around, we're like, they're switching coaches every year, and then they're wondering why they struggle. I'm like, you just can't have that much turnover and ever getting consistency. I like Vrabel as a coach a ton. I remember those days. I, I was living in Missouri at the time when the, the – Car, uh, when the Rams beat him in the Super Bowl, London Fletcher makes uh, the uh, the stop. They make the stop at the goal line. Uh, crazy, uh, yeah, it was insane living in Missouri at that time when they when mm -hmm. they got that win before the Rams moved and everyone uh, <laughs> lost their mind. But uh, yeah, Tennessee's had some great teams over here. Eddie George was an absolute stud out of Ohio State. Um, was a big fan of him in high school. Just you know, he was one of those first tall, linky running backs, but like. 
once he found an opening, you just saw that track speed. He got those knees up. Uh, just a lot of people weren't like him back then. They had a lot of smaller, you know, running backs back then, or you had a big bruiser like a Christian Okoye. There just wasn't a lot of guys that were like the physical makeup of like an Eddie George. Yeah, I mean, he could do both, man. He really could. He, he had the speed, but there's a reason he was so highly touted coming out and uh, just loved, yeah, loved watching him. Still have an Eddie George jersey to this day. I'll put on when I need a little good luck fantasy weekend. I don't wear it every weekend, but when I need the luck of the big win or something, I'll put it on. All right, let's jump in here. Start things off with the NFL draft, kind of what they did uh, this year. So starting things off, Everyone was wondering what they were going to do at pick number 11. They ended up going uh, with Peter Skaronsky, the offensive tackle out of Northwestern. Came back with Will Levis in the second round, the QB out of Kentucky. People were trying to decide, was he going to go top 10? Were the Titans going to take him at 11? They ended up trading up in the second round and getting him at pick number 33. Uh, Tajay Spears, running back out of Tulane, third round pick, 81 overall. Josh Weil, the tight end out of Cincinnati that they've been hearing good things about, fifth round pick there. Jalen Duncan, offensive tackle out of Maryland in the sixth round. And then Colton Dowell, a wide receiver out of Tennessee Martin in round seven. So that was what the Titans went through. Offensive line is something that's been on a lot of Titans. By a lot of people talking about just they don't think this group's going to be very good at all. So Skaronsky almost felt like an absolute knee pick. Like they had to go with O-line there at 11. What do you think? Yeah, of course, man. Um, I think early in the offseason, um, you know, they let they didn't bring back Lawan. They let Ben Jones go. That's their center and their left tackle. So um, I think for me as a fan, it was pretty obvious that going into the draft and or free agency, both of those positions were going to be addressed. Um, obviously, in free agency, they brought over Dillard from the Eagles, which I thought was a good signing. Um, I don't, you know, I think Dillard may be slightly overblown because it's easy to look good on that Eagles team from last year. But I do think he's a quality, you know, he's an NFL starter, which is not necessarily the easiest thing to get on the O-line. So I love Skaronsky as a pick. Um, I thought they got great value on him. You know, a lot of people had him go in as the first tackle off the board or closer to six, seven, eight in the first round. So for him to be there at 11, I thought was great value. Um, you know, Jalen Duncan, I, I, I'm not going to tout him as some savior for the Titans offensive line, but he played a lot of games in college. I think he's a great depth piece. And I think kind of like we were talking about Brable earlier, the Titans just they're a very well-coached team, and they seem to outperform your expectation for them year after year, um, almost to a fault where you know maybe they needed a couple higher draft picks to reach their ceiling. But Vrabel's just such a dang good coach that they win those close games, and they outwork you, and they outfight you, and they're freaking mean, dude. They are not a nice team, and uh, I think they're on the right path with the O-line. I, I liked the signings, and I think it was just time to get younger. You know, Lawan and Ben Jones has been there for a while. I think they just needed a new group. We're going to move on to Will Levis here. I've been, uh, I've been on record plenty saying I am just not a Will Levis fan. I just don't see it with him. I, I feel like I've seen too many guys like this before that had the big body, had the big arm, weren't super successful in college, and everybody just kind of thought they were going to eventually put it together in the pros. Kind of when they took Levis, what was your feeling there? Were you excited? 
were you know was it mixed feelings what what are what's the word out there on the message boards the titans fans are they they liking will levis what do you think yeah i think um in a vacuum if you told me before the draft that the titans ended up with will levis i don't think i would have been as excited but i think the context matters a lot and i think to to state it clearly will levis in the first round i hate it will levis in the second round i'm cool with it man i mean they, they need someone to replace Tannehill. I think they've met their peak with Tannehill. And so I think they'll probably start off with, with Tanny, see where he takes them if he's having a good season. He's had very efficient stretches, so it wouldn't surprise me if Tannehill could have another season or two in him. But, you know, I think Levis has the upside. He definitely has all of the downside, like you mentioned. I don't think I would ever say he doesn't have that, but... Um, I think why not go for it, man? And if you get a good pick next year, there's some other QBs there for the taking as well. Yeah, it's like I said, I just I'm not a Levis guy. I I if, if I'm the Titans, I'm happy I at least got him in the second. At eleven, like you said, I would have been real upset taking him at eleven. Because at eleven, you're going, This is our guy. We're bringing him in, we're replacing Tannehill. Mm-hmm. Tannehill's gotta be gone. Um, I think Tannehill still has a little something left. I think he's you know, he's a he's a veteran. The guy just is is solid, so I like him. I I just if Levis, I just told some the other day if Levis ends up being awesome, I will eat my words big time on that, and I hope the guy has a good career. But I just don't see it for him. But like you said, take the shot in the second round. If it doesn't work out, you go back to the drawing board next year. My thing is at least you got Tannehill. You didn't wait till you were done. But Tannehill was absolutely smoked before you drafted a quarterback. And now you're going, all right, we got to play this guy and see what we got. At least now you can play him and he gives you a chance to really evaluate Levis in practice early on and throughout the season to see kind of what progression he's, he's making so that going into year two, you can really make a decision. You know, is this guy, because they, they saw with Malik Willis last year, you know, everybody kind of thought he was a project. I couldn't believe people were talking first round with him last year. I thought that was crazy talk. And then we saw it. He dropped, dropped, dropped in the draft. Uh, he got a chance to play and he had all the problems that everybody thought he might have. So not to say he can't still work out of that. Um, you know, he only had a year. He's only had a year. You know, it takes time to grow as a QB sometimes, but uh I guess at this point for the Titans, don't you just take as many dart throws at QB as you can and and hope one hits? And if it doesn't, you just keep you just keep going. Yeah, I think for sure. I think I think people forget that that Tannehill has actually been a better player than than you would think when he's been healthy mm-hmm. over the past three or four seasons, right? Like, let's you know, I'm not saying that they were ever the Super Bowl favorite, but let's not forget they were the one seed a couple years ago. Now, I didn't think they were the favorite, and no one did. You know, everyone was still picking the Chiefs. But they almost had the Chiefs a couple years ago. They were up on them, and the Chiefs came back, you know, as as Patty does. Um, but I think Tannehill fits what they want to do. I think they want to, you know, I think they want to control the ball. I think they want to run the ball with Derrick Henry. And, and that was the really difficult thing, I think, that they probably were thinking is, you know, half of you wants to – to kind of come at it from a dynasty standpoint where you're like, Oh, well I'll just tank, man. I'll just tank and I'll get Caleb Williams. And you're like, well, it ain't as easy to do in the NFL as you think. Cause you have fan bases, you have tickets, you have, you have veterans on that team. You don't, you don't think Jeffrey Simmons and Derek Henry are going to not want to try to win every freaking game. They don't want to go out there and try to lose. And um, I don't know. I, I think I'm happy that 
the Titans are a slight underdog this year, I think that's going to work for them. Yeah, I think you're right. It's just, and again, when you're in a division like the NFC South that's been pretty poor the last couple of years, you know, it, you're in the mix every year in that division. You don't have to be a powerhouse to win the division and make the playoffs. And that's the name of the game, winning and making the playoffs. Uh, and again, like you said, there's a lot of bad teams out there right now. For the Titans to absolutely bomb and get below some of those teams, I think might be pretty difficult. And then again, you've got some you've got some good players on that team that aren't just going to go, okay, yeah, you're right. We should just tank it. Like that's not the way it works in football. You got too many guys playing for contracts, playing for that next contract. It just, as we see, it just doesn't happen in football. Like it does in some other sports, like in basketball, where you literally can just bench the guys Mm -hmm. and then you're just playing another guy. It's it's just not as easy in football. Um, Let's jump in the running back. Taji Spears, you know, he's another guy that people were like, People really loved him coming out. Then the medicals came in about his ACLs, basically not having any in two knees, uh, but still a super talented guy, really impressive at Tulane. I think kind of jumped on a lot of people uh, into a lot of people's minds with that USC game. We had that big game against USC. Third round pick, pretty solid value. You know, I've talked to a lot of people. Dynasty, they're like, oh, I'm real worried about how many, how many years I'm getting out of them. But I've had other people like, hey, you're not getting a lot of running back anyway. I might as well take the three or four, hopefully, good years he's got left on his knees before he ends up probably being an early retiree. But he can give me a couple quality seasons. Do you kind of see it that way? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I I think people are just overblowing it. It's like, yeah, he has some previous knee injuries, you know. But, like, let's not pretend that once a running back turns 26, dynasty owners throw them off the cliff anyway. So, I think my point has always been with Spears. I may be higher on him than than most, but like, you know, he has the chance that if either Henry goes down, he could be a great year one guy. Or if Henry leaves and he takes over, we've seen the Tennessee running back be a top 10 guy perennially all the time, right? Now, he isn't Derrick Henry, but he has playmaking ability. And um, just for where he's going, I don't really see why he's getting all the hate. Like, it would be one thing if you had to take him in round six, round seven of a startup, but like I've gotten him in a couple's round 11, round 12. You're like, how is that a risk at that point? Like, you know, like I'm trying to remember, I had a draft the other day, you know, and I took, you know, I took Tajay Spears in round 11 and like, you know, he's going around like some wideouts, some tight ends, Cole Komet, Elijah Moore, like, I like those players as well, but it's not like those are certified studs going at that point in the draft. So, of course, there's going to be risk. That's why he's being taken in the second round of dynasty drafts, the third round of the NFL draft. He wasn't a first-round pick. Like, let's give the guy a break, and he has the upside, so why not give him a chance? Yeah, he he was a guy I wasn't super high on in rookie drafts. I don't think I got him anywhere, honestly, but he's a guy I'm coming around to. I've definitely taken him in some redraft leagues as a handcuff. Um, I just think he's got a chance to get some playing time, even without a Derrick Henry injury. I think he gets some uh, some reps in there. I think they want to work him in. And then if Henry goes down, it's like, wow. I mean, it's like wide open running back room for him. And we've seen what some of their backups have done in the past. I mean, was it John Trell Hilliard? I mean, he had some really good games in there when Henry went down. I mean, Derrick Henry's a guy that we need to talk about for a minute. 
he's he's past that 28 season that everybody yells about that year 20 you know 28 years of age he is falling in redraft leagues big time i've done a bunch of charity draft leagues uh of late and he's getting into that third mid early third mid third late third i've even seen him drop into the fourth in a fumble drafts and that just seems pretty crazy for derrick henry especially in a redraft i can understand if you're in dynasty and you're ready to to move on because you're like hey i gotta get something for him before he's finished but i've got him a couple dynasty teams that are a little bit older and i've decided at this point i'm going till he runs off the train train tracks i'm just i'm taking derrick henry I'm not looking to get any value. I'm, I don't want a third rounder for him. I'm just going to keep him and play him until he can't play anymore. And I think that for me, that's my strategy with Derrick Henry, unless you're a total rebuild and there's a contender willing to give you something decent for him. Yeah, I, I'm with you on Henry. Redraft, I think that value, if he's going in the third round, man, that is absolute nuts. That dude, honestly, he should probably still be a, a turn one two player in a in a in a redraft league and even earlier in the first round if if you want to take him because yes the wheels could come off but also he has rb2 rb3 potential i I don't i don't know if he has rb1 potential in a ppr in a standard sure without the catches um and dynasty wise i'm totally with you i think if you're contending there's there's no price for him he's more valuable to you than whatever price you're going to get if you're total rebuild um, I did take over an orphan this summer and I had Derrick Henry and I tried to get like a first for him and no one was really biting. And so I ended up actually swapping him for another Tennessee Titan who we can discuss in a little bit, which is Traylon Burks. And I was ecstatic to get that trade, but I think that's what I would go for. I think, I think owners are going to be a little more afraid to give up a first round pick for someone with a little sketchness, not to be, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do still think he has the upside, but it could fall off real quick. And if you're able to swap him for someone as a rebuilder, I think that's the trade I would go for. Or even look down the line and like, maybe you're not getting a 24 first, but maybe it's a 25 first, or maybe it's a 26 first. Even so, rebuilding, part of rebuilding is just getting good players off of your team so you can get higher picks as well. Yeah, let's talk... Uh been hearing some good things about Josh Wiley out of Cincinnati, the tight end fifth rounder uh, here. And they like him a lot. They want to get him on the field. I can see that happening. They, you know, Austin Hooper gone to the Raiders. Uh, Chig is a guy that everybody is high on. Are they, they're talking, is he, you know, low end tight end one? Is he a tight end two? I think he's got huge upside. Obviously, he's got the athletic profile, but I, I wouldn't be sleeping on Wiley, especially in deep leagues or start two tight end leagues. Uh, he's a guy, especially if you're in a dynasty with a taxi squad, that's one of my favorite things to do is draft tight ends and stash them on that taxi squad. Give them a couple years to develop. If you got a league where you can put them on there for one or two years and let them sit and then pull them off that third year, that's one of my favorite things. But he's a guy wasn't really on my radar. Um, in this tight end draft class, even though I really love this tight end draft class, I think it's one of the better tight end draft classes in a long time. But uh, he he's a guy that wasn't real high on my list when I was originally looking at it. But the more and more I look at him, the more I like him. And the more I like him in Tennessee in the fact that I, I can see them running a lot of 12 personnel with two tight ends. Yeah, I mean, he's going to get on the field. Let's not forget, like you said, Austin Hooper's gone. Jeff Swain's gone as well. And, and those were both of the guys that they were running in packages 
with Chig last year. Um, I could almost see um, Wiley kind of stepping in more into that Chig role from last season, right? Where Chig played a little fullback, tight end two. They moved him around a bit. Mm -hmm. um, he wasn't necessarily the tight end one all of last year because he was still battling with Hooper. He didn't really take over some of the snaps till later in the season. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think that Wiley is a, he's not a blocker necessarily. So I think he, his goal is to be used as a pass catcher, whether that's as a tight end too, maybe it's a big slot. You know, the Titans love to run the ball. They want big bodies on the field at all times. Um, so yeah, if you can throw him on there, he's a late pick, but like you said, like tight ends, I'm, I'm exactly with you, man. Tight ends are the epitome of what a taxi squad is for. Load that thing up with all of the tight ends you want. In two years, you'll have a better idea if there's something or nothing. Oh, let's get to the big news. DeAndre Hopkins. I was a little surprised by this. I mean, it makes sense as far as like target share and what he could get in the offense. And the fact that they've been good. I know people are down on him this year uh, on where they might finish. But as a Titans fan, you got to be ecstatic about the DeAndre Hopkins signing as Traylon Burks really kind of looked like the only thing they had in the wide receiver group. And, and this obviously boosts them. And you would think it actually helps Traylon Burks and that he's not going to get all the attention by himself. Yeah. I, I, I think the hate um, on Traylon Burks with Hopkins landing in Tennessee is going too far. I, I truthfully do. I think people are overblowing that, you know, I, I love DeAndre Hopkins. I think he's a great player. I, I do think he has a couple productive years left. Are the Titans the the Tennessee Chiefs? Of course they're not. Like, or not the Tennessee Chiefs, sorry, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, they're not. But, you know, there is absolutely no one there to catch the ball. Absolutely no one besides Burks, Hopkins, and Chig. And Chig is an upside play. He's not even a, you know, he's not a dominant target share guy yet. So just like you said, I mean, this is dynasty. This isn't redraft, right? We don't have to worry only about this season with Traylon Burks. We're able to look forward and, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is a great wide receiver. Burks is going to get easier coverage. He's going to, you know, not to kind of do like a, just like a generic statement, but he's going to learn something from Nuke. He's not just going to not pick up tips and tricks from, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL over the last decade. Um, and I think another thing that people are always talking about is the Titans are extremely run heavy, which is totally true. But I think two things can still be true. Number one, let's look back to like 2020. I think it was um, when the Titans had AJ Brown and AJ Brown was wide receiver five, I want to say, and they had Corey Davis still on the team and he was wide receiver 28. I think that's a great example of in a run-heavy offense where in 2020, the Titans ran the ball more than they threw the ball, and they were still able to have two top 30 wide receivers. Now, I don't expect a wide receiver five finish from DeAndre Hopkins, but that also means that him and Burks could finish maybe both in the teens or both you know, 12 and 21 or something. They're both going to have very large target shares because they're going to be on the field in two wide receiver sets three wide receiver sets, and they just don't have too much competition to battle with targets. And um, the other thing that I want to bring up is I just have a hard time believing that you don't go out and get DeAndre Hopkins if you don't want to maybe throw the ball just a little more. And that might just be 
you know, like a, a summer hot thing that everyone's going to get on, but you know, they're, they're trying to win games. You don't go get DeAndre Hopkins to not win games and they might be in a couple more shootouts now that the Jaguars are going to put up some more points and we'll see what happens with the Colts with AR, if he comes out hot or if he takes a bit, but this division can be taken and it can be won. Um, you know, I'm not scared of the Texans. I, I know you're a Colts fan, but this is not, you know, they have a rookie QB. It's going to be a learning process for Indianapolis. And the Jaguars are great. And they had an incredible season last year. But the Titans almost had them. And they were playing with Josh Dobbs. Let's not forget that the game came down to Josh Dobbs. And they almost took him down and, and had that game. So I'm not counting them out. And I think Hopkins, as a football signing, regardless of fantasy production, is great for the Tennessee Titans. I think it says a lot about what the Titans think about themselves this year. They they definitely are not going into this thing going, ah, eh, we're rebuilding. We're in a rebuild mode. If you go outside DeAndre Hopkins, that you're not thinking rebuild. And again, we talked about it. You just got to make the playoffs. If you can win the division, even if that is 8-9, as we saw last year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, nine and eight. Uh, I remember see, uh, the CLC Hawks quite a few years back when everybody ripped on them because they made the playoffs winning a division at under 500. And everyone said, oh, worst team to ever make the playoffs. Then what they do? They win it and won a home game in the playoffs, <laughs> you know, because yep. they won a division and got a home game. So you just need to get in. And I think this division – is is one of the most wide open divisions in all of football. Um, it, it, I could see it literally going so many different ways. I, I mean, a game here, a game there, and I think it, you know, it completely changes everything. Um, let's talk about that just a little bit here. Coming into the season, you know, I think the Titans, as you said, Vrabel. You know, he's been the best coach in this division for quite a while. And he has kind of felt like he's willed them to wins. They've won close games. The games that you're like, oh, I don't know if they're going to get that one. They've snuck out. And they've just beaten teams that maybe they're not as talented as, but they've just outcoached other teams. So to me, it feels like no matter what, even though I'm down on the Titans a little bit this year, I still think they're going to be in the mix. And again, being in a division where I don't think anyone runs away with this division, I think it's going to be interesting. Right now, their over-under win total is sitting at 7.5. It's minus 102 for the over. Under is minus 120, so money's a little bit on the under 7.5. I've been looking at that number going through the schedule, and I, I really can see this team. I originally, first time through, I had them at five wins. But going back and looking at the schedule, if Tannis Hill stays healthy, if Henry stays healthy, and now you add in DeAndre Hopkins to what I was uh, worried about the passing game, this team could get to eight or nine wins pretty easily. If they go say they go in and they win two games against the Texans, say they split with Jacksonville, I, I'm a little higher on the Colts than some other people, but I also am in the same boat where I've said over and over again, I think the Colts can win 10 games, but I also would not be shocked if they won four 
they have so many games on the schedule that are going to be, you know, right there. And with a rookie quarterback, are you going to get that close win or are you going to lose all those close games? So I could see if they end up winning two games against the Colts, I mean, right there, already you have five wins. And that's not even going out of the division. And the nice thing about the division this year is that they have a pretty easy schedule as far as the NFC South is concerned. They're playing the AFC, uh, the AFC South playing the NFC South, which is pretty huge because you have two of the worst divisions playing each other, which to me just is classic NFL. I mean, it's like, yeah. let's throw the bad teams all against each other and let's see what craziness can happen and what team comes out on top. Because I think both those divisions have eight, nine or nine and eight winning that division written all over them. But it, let's real quick, let's just kind of walk through the Titans schedule, see what we think here. First game at New Orleans. That feels like a toss-up game to me. At New Orleans is tough. New quarterback, Derek Carr. I'm not as high on the uh, the Saints as some other people. And you're going to have a healthy Tannehill, a healthy Derrick Henry. That game feels like a toss-up game to me. I could, I could go either way there. Then they're at home against the Chargers. Noon game. Typically, I would say Chargers there for sure, but this these are the type of games the Titans win. You know, they end up winning against a West Coast team in an early game where it's like 10 a.m. their time. They're getting up at like 6 a.m. their time to get ready for the game. It, you know, people, I think, highly underestimate that. That I know these guys are professionals, but man, that level of change, flying, getting up early, getting, I mean, that stuff affects you. So, again, late in the season, that's a Chargers win for me for sure. Early in the year, I Titans could win that game. They can win that game. So that's two toss-up games right in a row. Then they go at Cleveland week three. I've been, you know, I'm on record as saying I'm down on Cleveland this year. I just don't see, I just feel like they got bad juju. I feel like they got a lot of talent on that team. I just think it's going to fall apart. I Something tells me I just feel like something's going to fall apart there and they're not going to be great. So, again, that's number three at Cleveland early in the year. To me, again, toss-up game. So, again, I look at this schedule. I just think there's so many games that they can win. Uh, five, game five, Cincinnati. That should be technically probably a loss. At Cincinnati, or uh, home for Cincinnati, you think Cincinnati wins that game. But again, you got them at home, and that's what you want to see. Got that little bit of advantage of being at home. At Indianapolis, that's that's a toss-up game. I got the Colts winning that one in my projections, but if they can't stop the run and Derrick Henry's on full tilt, it's going to be a long day for the Colts at that one. Long, long day. Baltimore, they got them at home. Can't beat that. I like Baltimore in that game, but it's going to be that's going to be a close spread, and that having them at home. Uh, oh, actually, sorry, that is that that's the early game. That's in Europe. That's the eight thirty Europe game. So that's, I mean, that's a toss it out. In, I think those Europe games are just you never yeah. know on what team travels the best, what team doesn't go out and get stupid when they're on the road. I mean that that's 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 a toss up game. Bye week at home for Atlanta. I think Atlanta's in the same boat. They feel like a 7 and 10, 8 and 9, 9 and 8 team. Atlanta at home, that's going to be a low scoring pound it game. Both teams pounding the rock. Then you go at Pittsburgh. 
in a night game, Thursday night game. I feel like that's a Pittsburgh win, but the Steelers have a history of blowing those types of games. You get at Tampa. I don't like Tampa this year. That's a winnable game. Then you go at Jacksonville. Say they lose that one in the split. You're home for Carolina, which I think people are overrating right now. I don't think Carolina is as good. Vrabel knows Reich, knows Frank Reich, coached against him at the Colts forever. So that's going to game. He's going to have a decent idea. Then you're home for the Colts. You got to figure at least a split in that series. Maybe they win both. At Miami's probably a loss. And then you're home for Houston, home for Seattle, which I like Seattle a lot. But getting them at home is a whole different ball game. Getting them at home in December than going to Seattle in December. So again, that's going to be a close tight game at Houston should be a, a possible win. And then home for Jacksonville. So the schedule isn't crazy difficult. I mean, you look through the schedule who made the playoffs last year, the chargers, the Bengals, Jacksonville, Miami. That's it. That's it. And you got a lot of those games at home. I don't believe in this Titans team, like I said, but man, I could see them going nine and eight and winning this division. I could totally see it. Yeah, I know. I agree. I mean, I think, um, like you said, there there is some luck in the division they drew in the NFC, but let's not pretend like some other team didn't get the NFC South last year and some team gets it every year, right? Let's Let's not play that game. It happens to everyone. It's the way the schedule works. Um, And so I think the combination of that, division games are tough, man. Division games are Titans football games. They are hard. They're mean. They want to pound you. And and the thing about the Titans that it's, it's their best quality, it's their worst quality, is that if they're playing Titans football, they can beat anyone. But sometimes if they get behind, they can't play Titans football and they can get in rough situations where they're maybe not meant for really, really pass heavy game scripts. If they get down 14, 17, 21, you know, like the Bengals game that could get rough. But if you're telling me it's seven, three Titans midway through the second, that game's a toss up from that point on, man, that's the kind of game they want to play. They want to feed Henry and make you fight them on the line, man. They want you to come at them and play smash mouth. And, um, you know, it's, it's going to be great for fantasy and it's going to be great for the Titans, but there is nothing better than having Houston as two of your last four games, man. Let's, let's not pretend that if they're seven and seven going into those last four games that getting Houston twice, couldn't be the difference between them making and missing the playoffs and week 18 in Jacksonville. We'll see. That could be the division, just like it was this year. You know, last game of the year, basically, uh, for the division on the line. Yeah, I think three of the last four games in the division is just monstrous. I mean, they 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 could have a chance where it's in their hands. Like they they determine their fate. And again, the, I just think you know the fact that they're playing the NFC South and the AFC South this year. I just think it adds to the mystery of what's going to happen this year. Because again, both really toss up division, probably the most two toss up divisions in all of football, as far as who can win. 
teams in both divisions could win the division with under 500 records. Mm-hmm. But it also it's set up where some team could bust out. If somebody gets hot and they start playing well, they can win close games, defense battle. They can make it happen. I mean, right now, currently, Jags are minus 155 to win the division per fan duel. 310 plus 310 are the Titans. They're number two. Colts 550. Texans plus a thousand. Like I said, the over-under wins right now, seven and a half. If you had to just put the money down right now, are you going over or under on the seven and a half? Oh, I'm taking over all all day on that, man. And that's not even a a fandom thing. I just think, you know, like if you're telling me I think they could easily go three and one against the NFC South. I'm not going to give them all four. They'd go four and oh, for all I know. Let's say three and one. And let's say they go three and three in the division. And I don't think they're going to go three and three, but I'll be generous and say they go three and three in the division. That's six games. They only got to pick up two more in half of a season. Like they're going to come away with eight, nine, 10 wins. And, and I think surprise people. I'm not expecting them to go, you know, 13 and four or whatever. But Let's just not forget that this AFC is very good and it is mm-hmm. very stacked. But what does that really mean when you dig into it? What that means is that people are going to be losing games to each other. And I think the wild card race is going to be very, very tight because, you know, we got Denver, Kansas City, the Chargers all in that division. I don't know if the Raiders really scare me much, but then we have, you know, the Bengals, the Steelers, the Ravens, the Browns, like those divisions are going to be tight and someone has to win and lose every division game. Like there's a loser to those games, meaning teams are going to have losses and maybe the Titans sneak in at nine and eight, you know, 10 and eight. That's kind of where I'd put them nine and eight, 10 and seven. I think that's what you're looking for if you're trying to win that bet. But then you even have like the backdoor cover of them only getting eight wins missing the playoffs, but still winning the bet of seven and a half over. So mm-hmm. it's just not that many games for a well-coached team. I agree. I The biggest knock on them for me is the defense. The defense has been great under Vrabel, and this is possibly the worst defense they've ever had. Now, not to say they can't coach up, not to say players can't step up, but that's the one thing that has me worried because they've been able to pound the rock. Tannehill has been good at QB. They've been able to win a lot of close games. That's where I'm worried about is the defense. But I also think the defense is a kind of a question mark for a lot of teams in the division, which I think it's like whoever gets that little bit of edge, whether it's turnovers, takeaways, that kind of thing can make a huge difference. But like you said in the AFC, I think the AFC – it's going to be really tough for a team to win 12, 13 games in the AFC this year. I really do. I, I, when we did our, our preseason projections on the stew, when we did our, we went through every division, our win loss record. Do we take over unders all that? I think there's a ton of teams that are going to be right in that nine and eight, 10 and seven range in the AFC. And it's going to come down to a lot of tiebreakers. A lot of tiebreakers. So if you can be in that range and get yourself in the mix, I think it's definitely possible because uh, I don't see anyone really running away because the bad divisions are bad and the good divisions are pretty good. And I think you just see teams beating each other up. And I had people, you know, 
kind of railing me a little bit because they're like, I can't believe you think the Colts can go nine and eight or ten and seven. And I was like, I I believe it because of the schedule. The schedule works out for them. But also on the other side of that, if they fall apart, I absolutely could see one of the other teams in this division doing the exact same thing. I could see the Titans turn around and going ten and seven if they if they sweep the Colts and they sweep the Texans. Because again, now you're right there in that mix, you, and and you're playing the NFC uh, NFC South, which are really winnable games. And so I think this division, almost more than any division, has the biggest variation. I could see every one of these teams outside the Jags. I think the Jags win at least seven, but I, I could see any team in this division re- realistically winning five games or winning nine or ten games depending on how the season flows, injuries, all that. You know, if the Titans get hurt, if Henry gets hurt, something happens to Tannehill, I, I could see this team just absolutely folding the second half of the season. But if those guys stay healthy, and now with DeAndre Hopkins, a legit threat, that if you get in those close games down the stretch, and you're Tannehill, and now you have someone to go to, someone you can count on in those big situations, that to me raises the Titans' profile quite a bit. Yeah, and I think I think what's keeping their win total down and and it's totally fair is the exact situation you just brought up is what if what if some of their older players go down, what happens to them? Um but I do think they have this second outcome where Tannehill goes down and you know, Will Levis comes in and not that he's going to light the world on fire, but let's not pretend that that isn't a chance. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But Levis would come in and Hopkins, Burks, Chig, Henry, he might be slinging that thing around. And if they get hot, they get hot. And to your point on the defense, I agree, man. The the defense has been up and down for years with the Titans. They look amazing. And then they just get absolutely dominated one week, mostly through the air. They're usually very, very good in the trenches. Um, You know, Simmons is – he – is almost as good as Chris Jones. He just doesn't have the notoriety because they haven't mm-hmm. had the success that the Chiefs has had. Not anything against Chris Jones. Chris Jones is an absolute monster. But Simmons is very, very good. Um, and I think a lot of their defense will come down to can their corners develop? You know, they have a couple second-year guy, third-year guys. They've drafted some in the past couple seasons. Can they stay healthy? Can they improve? Um and let's see how healthy Harold Landry is, right? It's not that long ago, two years ago, he looked like a top five outside linebacker in the NFL, man. He had 12 sacks. He looked very hard to block, suffered a not a fun injury, wasn't in a game all last year. But if he can return and get another 10, 11, 12 sacks, that's a guy they were kind of missing, right? They signed Bud Dupree. It didn't work out. Probably one of John Robinson's you know, nails in his coffin for why he is not their GM anymore. But I just, they're going to fight, you know, and and they're going to be in every game. And just like you saw last year, they were playing with no quarterback play for four, the last, I think it was last three or four games. And they missed Tannehill a couple games in the middle of the season. And they almost beat the chiefs with Malik Willis. They almost beat the Jags with Joshua Dobbs. Like, that is not something that a poorly coached team does. A poorly coached team folds and they're done. And 
they don't have a chance. But I think Levis is a chance if Tannehill goes out. I don't think I expect him to be, you know, some rookie sensation. He's not going to do what Brock Purdy did. But I think he at least has the arm to give them a shot, unlike Willis last year, where it's just looked like he couldn't even throw the ball more than five feet past the, the line of scrimmage. Yeah, talking about his defense, uh, Harold Landry, he's a guy I wanted to kind of highlight. He's a total buy for me in IDP leagues. Uh, people are kind of forgetting about him. You know, the injury has people worried. But he's going at a really nice value right now where you can almost steal him. And like you said, two seasons ago, I mean, he was on the up and up as like one of the, you know, a guy that everybody's like, this could be the next like stud outside linebacker sack artist. This whole season, I love him. I've been picking up anywhere, especially in leagues like Sleeper MFL, where now he's considered defensive line as an outside linebacker rush. He's not just a linebacker. I think that just pushes his value even higher. So he's a guy I'm definitely, as far as IDP, I want him. Jeffrey Simmons, like you said, defensive tackle stud. If you're in a league that has to start a defensive tackle, he's got to be on your list. He's got to be top five. He's young. Chris Jones, again, amazing. Jeffrey Simmons is a younger version of him. I, If you have a chance to get Jeffrey Simmons in, in a defensive tackle league, especially if you do any kind of premium for tackles and sacks for defensive tackles, he's got to be, I said top five. He's definitely top five. He might be top two or three. I mean, he's the guy He's the guy you want. He's a stud. They got the uh, Danigo Autry. Veteran, old Colts player, always been good. He's mm-hmm. been a great fill in IDP guy, so I like him. My big worry about them is who in this linebacker crew steps up and becomes their Keith Bullock. You know, Keith Bullock, one of my all-time favorite Titans, a Syracuse uh, guy from back in the day, just absolutely loved him when I first got an IDP or teams where you could pick one defensive player. Keith Bullock was my guy. Tackle machine, love him. Who's their linebacker that's going to step up? They've got to brought a couple guys in. Nobody really would just a great history. And then, like you said, that's secondary. Super questionable. They got some young guys who could step up and really surprise. But if they don't, that could be the undoing. Uh, Roger McCreary, Nickelback, solid numbers last year as far as tackles. Um, passes defense, stuff like that. But if you look at his PFF numbers and some other things, he was ranked like one of the last DBs in the NFL as a, as far as one of the worst grades. So he, he's the guy has got to improve. Uh, Christian Fulton, second rounder in 2000, uh, is kind of slotted in that thing. Caleb Farley, I mean, first round pick from 2021, hasn't really completely shown it yet. They want him to, you know, kind of step up. They did uh, sign Sean Murphy Bunting from Tampa Bay, hoping he gives them a boost. Uh, Safety, Kevin Bird's been, you know, that solid guy forever and ever. He's getting older, but he's still, I mean, he's a guy, if you're playing an IDP redraft league, throw a Kevin Bird on your roster at the end of the draft. People are just forgetting about him because he's older, but he's a guy that puts up numbers. And then the biggest question next to him is Amani Hooker. Again, an ex-Colts player. Guy's got talent. He's really struggled to stay healthy his whole career. And maybe Kevin Burke can bring this group together. But that's my worry. The quarterbacking 
in the NFC South or AFC South, excuse me, has gotten much better. They got rookies still, but they that's that's the question: Is their quarter cornerback play can it hold up against you know passing offenses? And it's the same thing I think with the Colts on the other side. I think that's the biggest thing for them. I think that the difference between them winning nine or ten games and winning four games could absolutely be the secondary because they're the same same situation with the Titans. A lot of young guys, and they need them to step up, but they need them to step up now. They cannot wait on them. If they have if they have to wait on them, it's gonna be ugly until they get better. Yeah, I the linebackers are are rough, you know. They let some guys walk. They brought in uh, I might butcher his name, Aziz Al Shair, I think is the correct yep. pronunciation. Um, from the Niners, you know, the the new GM came over from San Francisco as well. So I'm sure they're hoping he can step up into a bigger role for the Titans. He did actually have a couple years ago a hundred, you know, combo tackles, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily solo tackles, but a, a big tackle year. Um but they're shallow. They're definitely shallow at that position. Um, they have a guy from last year, uh, Gibbons, played some played some games. You know, he's an undrafted guy. Um, I think with the linebacker core, you just got to hope Vrabel can coach him up, right? Let's not forget he was a linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, and the secondary, you're exactly right. That That's my worry. That has been my worry for years. When they lose, it's they're getting beat down the field. Their corners are getting beat. And it doesn't matter how good your pass rush is if guys are wide open very quickly into their routes um, and you're getting burned burned for long plays. Let's jump into kind of our final thoughts on the Titans. Kind of give me your, your final wrap as a fan, as an analyst. Where do you think this team's going? either this season or the future, kind of give me kind of your final thoughts on everything Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I mean, I think at the beginning of the offseason, as they started letting some of their veterans go, I thought this might be more of a rebuilding year. Um, But I think they're still in it. I I think the Hopkins signing is really the last thing to pay attention to, that they're trying to win games. You don't bring in DeAndre Hopkins and try to lose games. That's, you know, he was sold by Vrabel and, I wouldn't be surprised if the culture and the just the target share potential is what brought Hopkins to Tennessee along with, you know, some good money, but it's not like they paid him. I think he got what 26 over two. Um, it wasn't some ridiculous deal that they overpaid by a, you know, a crazy amount. Um, I think dynasty wise, my note would be love Tajay Spears, especially in startup value. Um, I haven't really got him in rookie drafts. Like you said, I think you just have to be in the right position to get him. And I haven't really had the pick, you know, I think the pick to get Tajay is two, nine, two, 10 to 11. That's kind of where I'd feel comfortable. And I haven't really been at that point in most drafts. Um, I tend to trade my second if it's late. Uh, Cause I just don't want him. And don't be afraid of Burks. I, I think people may start moving him down their ranks and, you know, if someone's selling Burks and you're able to go get them for a reasonable price, whether that's, I don't really know the price. I don't really, I would, without seeing recent trades, I wouldn't know. But if you're a rebuilding team, don't be afraid to get them on your team because I still think the talent is there. And I think Hopkins will be okay. I don't think I'm targeting high in redraft leagues or is necessarily a win now guy, but I think he'd be a great wide receiver three 
flex kind of guy in PPR leagues because he's going to have a target share and he's a good player. You know, he's going to score. They don't have enough weapons that he's going to be one of their weapons for sure. Yeah, I like your idea on Traylon Burks. I always feel like the best time to acquire those young wide receivers is year two. If they didn't absolutely crush year one, everybody's on the new guys. Who's the new rookies? And the year two guys kind of fall off in favor. I feel like that's the best time to acquire them. So like you said, I I like that move. I'm acquiring Traylon Burks if I can. I like I sentiment same on Hopkins. I like him as a flex play. I'm not taking him as my wide receiver one or two. I think he's going to get some targets. I think his numbers are going to end up pretty solid at the end of the year, but I'm not sure I want to totally count on him overall. I'm still in on Derrick Henry. I'm not going to be out on Derrick Henry until Derrick Henry decides he's not Derrick Henry anymore. So I'm on that. Uh, You're over on the wins. I actually feel like that's a good bet. I was under in my preseason rankings, but I have to be honest with you. I would not put money on it. I feel like there's too good of an option that they they go over and they get to that that eight wins. Uh, so that one makes me nervous uh, big time. So I'm, I'm sticking off of that. Uh, the plus 310 to win the division is actually a pretty decent buy right now. I actually like that. Jags, out of everyone in the division, obviously have the hardest uh, schedule overall. So even if they're the best team, they could still easily go nine and eight, eight and nine, and then you're getting yourself in a tiebreaker situation. So, so I like that. So, Sam, thanks for coming on and talking about the Tennessee Titans with me. Let everybody know where they can find you at all your stuff. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Where's Waldorf. Um, coming back in August, I will be back on the grind. Going to start putting out a bunch of stuff. So I'm excited to to get back into it after a little July summer hiatus. And thanks for having me on JT. I I love coming on and chatting with you, man. Yeah, absolutely. You can find me at JT orange on Twitter. I talk about anything and everything. I do every league. I let people remind people all the time. I do C2C, CFF, IDP, dynasty, redraft, best ball. I'm in all of it. So if you got a question about something, you want to get my two thoughts, uh, let me know. I will let you kind of know what I think. Also, make sure to follow JT Bruce Stew to figure out when we are going to have uh, any of our next shows or go back and watch some old shows, old content of things we have. Like I said, I have my uh, season-long bet series out there looking at wins, losses, what I think are some really prime bets. I've got a few more things coming down the line. Check us out on the Dynasty Pros Football YouTube channel. That's where you can always find our stuff. Go to DynastyProsFootball.com. You can find our rankings. You can find a bunch of different shows, our IDP show. And also you can check me out on our Debbie show, which runs every other Monday with Tommy Harvey and SC Romero. We talk all things Debbie. We're currently breaking down each conference in Division One football, talking about what Devi players we like out of there and what to expect. So make sure you check us out on that. Thanks for joining us tonight on The Stew with JT Brew. Make all your draft picks hit and the trading never quit. See you guys later. Uh, you up on trades and why your moves? You ain't designed to lose. Find you jumping over seemingly nothing. Racking up points makes the game a little more fun to watch. Can drop release.